Welcome to Finish Well Homeschooling Podcast, where changing the world starts with changing the home, with your host, Meredith Curtis. I'm Meredith Curtis, your host at Finish Well Podcast. I'm so glad you joined me today. We have something really special planned. We are actually going to go on a road trip throughout, well, a lot of it will be a boat trip throughout the Midwest. And I am Meredith Curtis, your tour guide. You see, we're going to learn geography the fun way on a road trip. So pack your suitcase, grab your gear, and let's go. On our whirlwind tour of the Midwest, we're going to get to see the Great Lakes, the Wheat Belt, the Corn Belt, the Dairy Belt, and the Rust Belt. Wow, there is so much coming out of the Midwest, isn't there, in terms of production, in terms of crops. We are going to be served fresh from the field produce, fresh beef, fresh pork, and all kinds of hot dishes. Now, for those of you who don't live in the Midwest, that's a casserole. (laughs) This is the land of the endless prairie, but the other states, North Dakota, South Dakota, Nebraska, and Kansas, are also part of the Wild West. So those kind of are the border states. They're on the far end of the Midwest. They're Midwest, but they're Wild West. And so definitely farming states, though, very strong farming states. This is just an amazing part of the country. I am so excited to travel with you because I really, I visited here and there in the Midwest, but I feel Like, this is going to be a great way for me to get to know the Midwest more, and I hope that's true for you, too. Back to a few facts in our background. Except for Ohio, all of these states became states, they achieved statehood after the Louisiana Purchase from the French. So Thomas Jefferson purchased Louisiana from Napoleon. It was just kind of a fluke thing that Napoleon was willing to sell. And goodness gracious, it doubled the size of America. So when we come out to this area, it wasn't one of the British colonies. It actually was part of New Spain. It was part of New France. So there's a whole different heritage out here and kind of interesting because you've got the Spanish and the French kind of mixing, meshing, and and a lot with the Native Americans. The French meshed a lot more with the Native Americans than the British did. So you have a lot of Native American influence. And then you have a lot of German, Polish, Scandinavian influence as well, because and Dutch, because they came over from Europe right at the time that this area was being settled and they became the real pioneers of the Midwest. So we are going to run into hardy explorers and spirited pioneers. They settled the land and you can still find out here in the Midwest a can-do spirit. Cross the Oregon Trail? Of course I can. So I thought it would be super fun because one of the things that I love about the Midwest is the Great Lakes. Now, Lake Erie is way over by New York, but most of the Great Lakes are in the Midwest, and they certainly opened up the Midwest so that the Midwest could be accessible 
to the Atlantic Ocean. And what do I mean by that? Well, each of the lakes is connected by riverways, by waterways, and they eventually flow out into the Lawrence River and then the Lawrence Bay and into the Atlantic Ocean in Canada. So this just opened up so much of this area uh, in the 1700s and the 1800s. This opened up so much of this area to be able to participate in worldwide trade, to have bustling ports, which turned into bustling cities. So, again, just like we saw on the East Coast, just like we saw in the South, most of our big cities are going to be built around ports. And that's because when this area was first settled, it was settled it, it to compete in world trade. You had to have a nice port and you had to be able to get out into those oceans. Now, of course, we have trains and planes and we don't really think about that. But actually, ships still do a hearty, hearty part of world trade. And I don't know if you've seen some of the new cargo ships. They are giant. Um, from far away, they look like almost a Lego ship. It's so funny with the... the um, <laughs> The cargo on top, but it's just amazing what travels back and forth over the ocean. So um, anyway, so like I said, that's why I wanted to start in the Great Lakes. And my first stop as we travel the Great Lakes is we're going to stop in Cleveland, Ohio. Cleveland, Ohio is right on the lake. And it is a bustling city. It's filled with businesses and people, and it's surrounded by tons and tons of suburbs and smaller cities. And um, that is called a metropolitan area. And a, me a metropolis is a very large and densely populated industrial and commercial city, and it includes all of the area around it that's densely populated as well. So some areas in the Northeast are just, you know, almost when we taught, were in the Mid-Atlantic and New England, we talked about how it was almost just one big metropolis from the start of Baltimore all the way up through New York City um, and a little bit into Massachusetts and Connecticut, but just like one big suburb, one big metropolis, one big city, one big urban area. And so what you have in the Midwest is you have these huge areas too, but then often they're surrounded by farmland, a lot of farms in the Midwest. Well, anyway, the reason I brought you to Cleveland is because there is a museum here. It's really little. It's called a Christmas story museum and there's a house. And so we can go there and we can see the setting of the movie, a Christmas story. And I don't know about you, but it's one of those family favorites in our house. We watch it almost every Christmas about Ralphie who wants to get a BB, a Ryder BB gun and everyone tells him it's going to shoot his eye out. And of course, well, I won't tell you what happens. You'll have to see it this Christmas. But it's set in the mid-1900s in a simpler time, and it's a very nostalgic movie. And so when we go to Cleveland, we're going to visit this museum. And if we want to, we can spend the night. We can either spend the night in Ralphie's house or we can spend the night in the house next door. And that is just super fun. I love all the memorabilia that's in the museum. And I just, I, I love 
I love the mid-1900s. It's just such a, a sweet time um, to look back at the family in the 1900s and just a very different world than the world we live in today. Well, if we get back to the Port of Cleveland, we will make our way to Michigan. We're going to go past the ports at Dearborn, Detroit, and Port Huron on Lake Huron, another great lake. And so we're going to go all the way up Michigan, up the side. And when we get to the top, we are going to make our way to a place called Mackinac Island. Now, if we were driving in Michigan and we wanted to go to Mackinac Island, we would have to take a ferry. No cars are allowed in this island. And honestly, this is one of America's prettiest places. It's just a very sweet town, beautiful homes, beautiful scenery, of course, no pollution. There's no cars there. And it is so, just so lovely. So like I said, if we were driving in a car, we'd have to take a ferry. But since we're not driving in a car, we'll just pull up at one of the docks And we could take a carriage ride if we wanted. We could go shopping. We could eat in restaurants. We could um, spend the night in an inn. And it's just honestly such a nice place to enjoy nature with hiking and kayaking and cycling. But the absolute best thing I love is riding in a horse-drawn carriage. So we have to take a trip around the island in a horse-drawn carriage while we're here. Well, We've had a fun time on um, on Mackinac Island, and now it's time to cross over to Lake Michigan. So we've been in Lake Huron. Now we're going to Lake Michigan. And to get to Lake Michigan, we have to cut through on the Straits of Mackinac. And so we're going to pass under the famous Mackinac Bridge. It's the fourth largest suspension bridge in the world. And suspension bridges are pretty cool, and that might be something you and your kids might want to look into. What is a suspension bridge and what makes them so cool? On the shore of Lake Michigan is a place called Indiana Dune State Park. And this is, of course, in Indiana because now we've gone down. And Indiana is, has just a little bit of it itself on Lake Michigan. But this place is absolutely beautiful. You know, I I just was really surprised to find out they had this place called Sand Dunes State Park. I thought, what on earth? Because I only think of beaches. I only think of sand dunes as being maybe in the desert, but mostly by an ocean, by a gulf, by a bay. But I forget how big these lakes are. These lakes are huge. And the Indiana Dunes State Park, you can swim, you can hike, you can go fishing, you can go bird watching. But one thing they like people to do is they like people to try the three dune challenge. And so what is that? Well, these dunes are pretty tall, and you climb to the three tallest ones. There's a path through the whole thing, and if you do it, you get a sticker. <laughs> but I know that's not a big deal. But if you get to three see, if you get to climb all three dunes and stand at the top, you will get a beautiful, beautiful view of Lake Michigan. And so that's why I thought it would be super fun. Our next stop 
is Chicago, and Chicago is a port city on Lake Michigan, a very old port city. It's the third largest city in the USA, and yes, there is a lot of crime, but don't worry, we're not going to be here super long. Um, New York City is the largest city in the United States, then L.A., Los Angeles, and then Chicago. So this is what happened in Chicago. Chicago, just, you know, like most cities, just grew a little here, grew a little there, kept growing and growing. And in the 1800s, it was already big. And there was D.L. Moody there, and he was leading crusades. He opened a Bible college. There were all kinds of interesting people in Chicago. Well, what happened is in 1871, a cow kicked over a lantern in a Chicago barn, and almost the whole city burned out. So city planners got together, and they decided to construct a city center with large buildings for big businesses. So when we're pulling up on our boat on Lake Michigan and we're pulling up to Chicago, what we see is this beautiful, beautiful skyline. And that skyline is actually famous. And so we can thank the city planners. And city planners, what is that? Well, in geography, we do talk about cities and we do talk about city planners. And city planners actually plan the construction and the development and the future growth of a city. So they want it to be beautiful. They want it to be what everybody needs. They don't just want it to be beautiful. They want it to work for businesses, work for people, work for families, work for older people, work for young people. And they want to meet the needs of the government, the businesses, and the residents. So that's a pretty tall task. And I know that we've had city planners in our city. They've done a lot of beautification projects, and they've really done a good job. So if you end up visiting a city and you say, wow, I really like the city, it just may be that there's some city planners behind the scenes who were constructing and designing and planning so that you would walk in and say, wow, this city is beautiful. <laughs> um, but while we're here in Chicago, there, honestly, there is so much to see. We could spend a few days here if you want. We could take in shows. We could, well, there's just so much. But one of the things we definitely have to do is there is a place called the Navy Pier on Lake Michigan. And yes, it is a big, big pier. But there's also a, so many fun things to do. We could watch a movie. We could ride a Ferris wheel. But one thing we have to do while we're in Chicago is have some deep dish Chicago pizza. I mean, where else are you going to get great Chicago pizza but Chicago? So Chicago is an exciting, bustling place. And it's hard to kind of leave because I feel like there's so many places we could explore and um, there's some beautiful churches here. There's some museums, a lot of artwork. But what we're going to do is we are going to go over to Lake Superior. Now, to get to Lake Superior, you actually have to go back through Lake Michigan and up again, back kind of the way we came and get around. So we're not going to do that. Instead, what we are going to do is we are just going to cut across in a car. And so we're going to cut across Wisconsin to Lake Superior, and we are going to visit another beautiful place 
along a lake. And this is called the Apostle Islands. And yes, it was named after Jesus's apostles. It sits, this, it's an archipelago and it sits, which is a group of islands. It sits in Lake Superior, right off the coast of Wisconsin. And this place is beautiful. There's red sandstone, sea caves, stately lighthouses, and historic shipwrecks. It's just a really neat place to explore in the summer. But when winter comes, it becomes a snow and ice wonderland. Lake Superior freezes over, so you can actually cut across the lake on foot. Can you, it's just, you have to realize I live in Florida, so I can't imagine walking across a lake. But that's it. You can walk right across the lake to reach the ice caves. And what's really cool about this place is that every year it's different. It all depends on how the snow falls, how the ice, you know, um, melts and and forms. And, And my favorite thing about it is the icicles. And so this is a beautiful place. We'll explore for a while. And then we are going to head from here. We're going to go down to Duluth, and we are going to hop on I-35 and travel down to the Twin Cities of Minneapolis and St. Paul. So Minneapolis and St. Paul are two very large cities in Minnesota, and St. Paul is the capital. It's full of historic buildings and has one of the prettiest Renaissance-style cathedrals in the country. So we have to go see that. Minneapolis is more modern with the tall skyscrapers, and they have something called the Golden Mile, which is 35 opulent mansions from the turn of the 20th century that have been completely restored so we can go see them. So they're both really beautiful cities. And what's interesting is the Mississippi River cuts right between them. So you kind of wonder, well, why isn't it just one city? Well, it would be one city, but St. Paul is on one side of the Mississippi and Minneapolis is on the other side of the Mississippi. So we're going to get back on a boat because I just thought, why not do as much as we can on a boat in the Midwest? So we're going to get back on a boat and we're going to head down the Mississippi River to Iowa. Now we're going to detour along a little river called the Makoiteta River. And we're going to visit Makoiteta Cave State Park. This place is so amazing. It's full of rock formations and limestone bluffs and lots and lots of caves. So we can go exploring, we can go caving, we can go hiking, whatever we want to do. But two things I definitely want to show you. One is called Natural Bridge, and this is is a rock formation made of limestone, but it crosses Raccoon Creek. 50 feet in the air. It's just a limestone bridge, a natural bridge that crosses the creek, and I think it's so cool. But more cool and more exciting is something called Balanced Rock. This is a 50-ton boulder, okay? It's a 50-ton boulder, like a huge, giant, giganormous rock, And it sits on a base that measures one square foot. What? Yes, that is super precarious. So this has been an amazing place 
in Iowa. And I mean, we could have visited farms. There's so much to see in Iowa, but I really wanted you to see some of the natural wonders. We saw, we've seen cities now. We have seen really neat, the cave, the Apostle Islands caves. We've seen the museum, the kind of fun, lighthearted Christmas story museum. So we're just getting kind of a broad taste of different things. But now we're going to take this river back to the Mississippi River, and we're going to head downstream to St. Louis. We have to see St. Louis because St. Louis it has the, the big arch, and it's the gateway to the west. So we're going to park our um, – we're going to get out of our boat. We're going to take an Uber, and we're going to go to the park where the arch is, and we are going to take the elevator to the very top of the arch, and we can see the whole city. It's a beautiful city. And while we're here, we can visit the Museum of Western Expansion to learn more about Lewis and Clark and the Discovery Corps. They also have another beautiful cathedral. It's called the St. Louis Cathedral. And what's interesting is you don't find, you do find beautiful cathedrals in the East, but really out here in the West, you find a lot. And that's because of the French and Spanish. They would build these beautiful cathedrals when they settled here. So really, really interesting. Now, what's so cool is that from St. Louis, we are going to take I-70 straight across to across Missouri to Independence. And that Independence, Missouri was the starting point for all four westward trails, the Oregon Trail, the Santa Fe Trail, the Mormon Trail, and the California Trail. And when we talk about geography and you think about roads, these are the first roads in the Midwest. These are the first roads in the West. And it's just very exciting to think about pioneers traveling. I'm going to California. I'm going to Oregon. I'm going to Santa Fe. And this was kind of the starting off point where they would go. And one of the things that is so exciting is that while we're here in Independence, we can actually take a mule drawn wagon ride. And we can pretend that we're pioneers like back in the day. And I think that will be super fun. So we'll have to use our imagination, but I think you can. Well, since we are talking about the trails, that's so exciting. Our next two stops are going to have to do with these four trails, the Santa Fe, the Oregon, the California, and the Mormon. So we are going to go across the border. We're close to Kansas now, and we're going to go to Leavenworth, Kansas. Leavenworth, Kansas is the oldest city in Kansas. It was built in 1827. It's, there's a fort there. Fort Leavenworth was a U.S. Army base, and as the nation was expanding westward, soldiers, immigrants, missionaries, Native Americans, and pioneers all passed through this fort as they traveled west. From Leavenworth, those going to Santa Fe started south. So all four trails started out from Independence, Missouri. They go to Leavenworth in Kansas, and they break off, and the Santa Fe goes south, and the other three trails are going to go on up to Nebraska. So I would like to duplicate the other three trails into Nebraska. Now, we're going to take roads like I-29 North, and we're going to head west on I-80 on our way to Fort 
Kearney. And that's the next fort. Fort Kearney was founded in 1848, and it was completely built because of all the travelers west. The the U.S. government thought we need to protect our citizens. They're traveling west, and they built this fort. But it was also a home for the Pony Express riders and the Pawnee Native American scouts. So it's just very, very exciting place. Lots of history took place in this place. Now, when Nebraska began to be settled, the fort was torn down and people built farms and they were homesteading. But several years ago, a historical society bought the land and they did some archaeological digging. They found some of the old buildings. They looked at historical documents and they actually reconstructed everything according to what they discovered. And so we can visit a stockade, parade grounds, powder magazine, and a carpenter blacksmith shop. So we can just visit these things that feel like we're back there. And some days there's living history demonstrations, which I think today is a day. So we can camp here too. We can camp here and tomorrow we can go hiking. Wow, we have moved so quickly through the Midwest. We have gone from Ohio to Indiana to Illinois to Michigan to Wisconsin to Minnesota to Iowa to Missouri to Kansas and Nebraska. And we all we have left are the two Dakotas. I can't believe how fast we have gone on this tour. So if we're going to go to the Dakotas, we just have to go to Mount Rushmore. Mount Rushmore is a national monument with the faces of four great presidents, Washington, Jefferson, Lincoln, and Roosevelt. And there was an artist named Gutsan Borglum, and he had 400 assistants to build this huge monument. But while we're here, we can look at it, we can climb up and see it, but we can't go in the secret room because it's locked. Well, what do I mean by that? Well, you see, Mr. Borglum wanted to have a room behind Abraham Lincoln's face with historical documents for visitors to look at. So a long tunnel was built, but the artist died. And then right after that, we entered World, World War II. So the whole secret room was never completed. Of course, there are rumors. Hmm. But I don't know if they're true. I have no evidence. But it still is very exciting to think about a tunnel and a secret room. While we're here in this area of South Dakota, and as we're out here, by the way, these states are huge. You know, we have these little tiny states in the east, like South Carolina, Rhode Island, Delaware, even New Jersey is pretty small. When you come out here in the west, in the Midwest, as it feels like as we go more west, the states just get bigger and bigger. But anyway, while we're here, Deadwood is about 40 minutes away from Mount Rushmore, and we can visit an old gold mine. See, what happened to Deadwood is that it was just a little town in South Dakota, and then gold was discovered in the Black Hills. And I'm sorry to tell you that the Black Hills began belong to Native Americans, so the government moved the Native Americans to another place. So I don't like that, but that is what happened. And as the Nate, as the um, settlers, the the settlers came in and were panning for gold, 
they ended up bringing Deadwood into this amazing booming town. And heroes like Wyatt Earp and Calamity Jane and Wild Bill Hillcock moved in. And so they are, of course, a small town now, nothing like in its heyday, but they still have historic storefronts. And about, you know, early afternoon every day, there might be a shootout or at least some gunslingers roaming the streets. So they really keep that Old West feeling alive, and it's really, really cool and exciting. As we go up to North Dakota, the Little Missouri River meanders through Theodore Roosevelt National Park, and we can too. It's beautiful here. By the way, Theodore Roosevelt was a very sickly boy. He was so sickly, and he just tried really hard. His father tried really hard to help him cultivate some healthy habits and and overcome a lot of his infirmities. Well, one thing that he did is he traveled west, and this was in the 1800s, the late 1800s, when there were still cowboys and there were still, you know, plenty of excitement going west. And he found that his health was so rejuvenated in the West, and that's what gave him a heart to set aside land for people to enjoy so that the uh, other generations could hunt, they could fish, they could enjoy nature. And so when we come out here to this park, it's named after him because this was an area that he really, really loved. So anyway, we can drive through the park. It's a beautiful scenic drive. And this is where the badlands are. It's not that they're bad, like there's bad people in the land. The badlands are just, wow, I don't even know how to describe it. You just have to Google it and look at pictures. They're dry canyons, ravines, gullies, boots, and mesas with very steep slopes, rocks, and clay-rich soil. I mean, it's just they look different than anywhere else in the country. Now, there are Badlands in South Dakota and Badlands in North Dakota. So we can head over to both sides of the park. There's also a petrified forest loop in the park where trees have turned to stone. And there is a Cowboy Hall of Fame nearby where we can learn more about cowboys and Native Americans and horses. This is just such a beautiful place. And I hope that you remembered your camera and you took a lot of great pictures on our trip. And I am just so thankful that you joined me on this whirlwind tour of the Midwest. I really look forward to our next one. We're going to go through the Southwest and the West. This was so quick, but you know, I hope it will just whet your appetite to explore these places more and to learn about lots of other places that you can visit. You know, our country is delightful. There is so much to see and so much to do. If you're a nature lover, oh my goodness, every state has natural wonders. If you love the cities, wow, every state has a bustling city and some of them have a ton of bustling cities. If you want to sample food, you can sample food all over the country. And um, we have a cookbook coming out called God Bless the USA. And in it, we have at least three recipes from every state and our five inhabited territories, Puerto Rico, Virgin Islands, 
Northern Mariana Islands, Guam, and American Samoa. So if you're anxious to explore in the United States through cooking. You've just got to get a hold of this cookbook, God Bless the USA Cookbook. It's part of our God Bless the USA series. You see, we don't want to just learn facts about the geography of our country. We want to explore it. We want to visit places. We want to hike. We want to swim. We want to go rafting and rappelling and caving because we want to discover the geography that God has put and given to us from sea to shining sea. So I hope you'll join me on this wonderful adventure of our road trip across the USA. God bless you. I look forward to being with you next time when we go to the Southwest and the West. See you then. Thank you for listening to Finish Well Homeschooling Podcast with Meredith Curtis and the Finish Well team. Please listen in every first and third Monday of each month at 7 p.m. Eastern Time here at the Ultimate Homeschool Podcast Network.